All right. Welcome, everybody, to the XX Mormon podcast. Today, we are joined again by Counselor Davis. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the anger phase, about why I think some people stay angry, and about ex-Mormon or post-Mormon podcasts who still live in the anger zone. Um, I want to start off with a little story about the Exxon Valdez, which happened in the late 80s. It was like it was the worst oil spill in terms of ecological damage. Still, it's worse than Deepwater Horizon, which was the BP one, which released more oil but caused less harm. The Exxon Valdez ran aground in uh, in Alaska, uh, damaged a bunch of coral, killed a bunch of animals. And as our Canadian friends may or may not know, Exxon owns Esso and Imperial Oil. So if you go buy your gasoline at an Esso, you are supporting Exxon, and Exxon, you know, created the worst ecological oil, you know, in terms of damage, uh, damage the environment more than any other company has in one single incident. But we still support them because we just need to buy our gasoline. And I guess we're not disappointed in Exxon because Exxon is an oil company. Exxon is ultimately a corporation whose sole responsibility is to the shareholder. So we're not really disappointed or, or remain disappointed or start a boycott. And I just want you to imagine that if you went to an Esso station to fill up your car with gasoline and somebody starts coming up to you and said, did you know Esso's really whitewashed their history? You say, what are you talking about? Yeah. Did you know about the Valdez? Well, kind of. Well, did you know how many fishermen were put out of work and how Exxon only paid them off $400 for an entire fishing season? Well, I didn't know about, but look, buddy, like I'm just trying to go to work and buy gasoline. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think we run into a similar issue as we're phasing our way out of the church of, hey, we learn all these things and then we see people still going to church and we're angry and we're disappointed. And so we want to tell them all about like polygamy and anachronisms in the Book of Mormon and all these things that are wrong. But why are you disappointed when, when you take a step away from the church and you realize it's not true? All that it is, is another corporation like an Exxon, like a BP, they're looking out for their own image. And of course, they're not going to lead out with, you know, our founder was a treasure digger and a polygamist. And why would they start out with that? They wouldn't. And so I guess you listen to these other podcasters and they're very, very angry about the church and they wish the church could be more transparent. And they, it's like they're trying to build a true church. The light switch hasn't gone off in their brain yet that the church will never be true. The church will never be transparent. The church will always look out for its own interests and function like any other corporation. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to push back <laughs> against you. Okay, all right, no, uh, good. Because I, I've thought of, I've thought about this, be before because you know I've heard my mother and other people say, oh, you know, you can leave, but you can't leave it alone, right? I'm sure yeah. we've all, all gotten that, but at the same time, like it's a part of my identity, right? you know, whether or not I move on and I live my life and I don't tell people about it, right? It's, it's still what I grew up with. And so there's this kind of like, uh, like last episode, we talked about Syrian refugees, right? And I doubt that they're coming here and thinking, I'm just going to forget about all of that, right? 
they're they're like i'm just gonna move on like they'll do what they they do over there in my home country where i was born and totally mistreated for whatever reason or for whatever group that came in and 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 took power or whatever and i kind of see it as as the same thing you know you don't just move on and forget about it because it's still part of your history right it's still it's still part of your identity so i i agree like with the general idea of of what you're saying how you know it's gonna do what it's gonna do right like we expect these things from corporations but at the same time i do feel maybe a little bit more understanding maybe i'm painting you with too broad a brush strokes but that that's the way i see it at least i enjoy being painted but <laughs> <laughs> enjoy the tickle on my flesh um but <laughs> I'd, I'd push back again and say, look, there's a bunch of churches that hoard money. There's a bunch of churches that abuse their members. There's a bunch of churches that are homophobic, racist, and oppressed women. I'm not angry at them. Mm-hmm. So why should I care more about this other not true church or, you know, corporation descri- di- disguised as a church? Why, am, why should I be more mad about this one than another equally untrue uh, corrupt organization? Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard some XMOs say like, you know, the, the building's on fire. So you want to run in and pull out as many people as you can before they get hurt. And, you know, I kind of sit back and, and it's really hard. It, it's really hard to convince somebody that's so entrenched in their beliefs Mm -hmm. of, you know, of what's truly going on here, because we know that like a lot of political, uh, discourse like people believe what they want to believe mm-hmm. and they hold on to that right and it's you know i think you know for people that are trying to you know help the church correct itself or you know become better or become the true church i think there might be down in inside of them like maybe there's a hope that it is true hmm. but maybe there's a hope that you know if you can't get the people out let's help correct the ship a little bit so there's less abuse in you know, bishopric interviews, or there's less oppression of women, or there's less, you know, you know, a suicide amongst youth because of, you know, LGBTQ issues. Like, I think they're trying to correct the ship, even though it's, you know, they're kind of in the wrong boat entirely. Hmm. So, okay, go ahead. Yeah. There, uh, Elder Jensen. Yeah, I, um, I, I wanted to clarify too, that I'm not saying, you know, because I don't, I don't run into the burning building and, and try and, you know, convince everybody and pull everybody out. Like, I let my family, you know, believe burn. what they want to believe. <laughs> yeah, I let, I let them burn. Um, it's, and they see it the same way. They see me as the one burning, right? Like, right. And, and so I'm not, saying, I'm not saying, like, from that perspective. I just wanted to give a little, a little defense Sure, uh, sure. Yeah. And I maybe I jumped on you a little bit. But. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. You're good. I'm glad, I'm glad you guys brought up the burning building because we all lived in the burning building, right? And the, the funny thing about living in the burning building is you start to see smoke and you're like, Bishop, there's smoke here. And he's like, no, there's no smoke. <laughs> and if there is smoke, it's not really smoke. And if it really, like, it's not harmful smoke. You know, it's smoke from incense or something, it's, right? It's steam. It's steam. It, yeah. And then you're like, but Bishop, there's a fire here. <laughs> or and the, people are, And there's people that are leaving <laughs> because they see this. <laughs> like, the fire. 
What do we? What do we do? No, no, it's not a fire. The fire's no. not there, guys. Every it's everything's not... fine. Nobody, nobody's leaving. What are you talking about? Things so are I guess, better like, than when ever. You're talk- yeah, when you're talking about saving people from the burning building, people need to know the building's on fire, and they can't be in denial about the flames around them, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're watching people burn to death, but they are in denial about the fact that they're burning to death. And so once you get out of the building, I think there's kind of there's three things you can do. One is you can grab water and try and put the fire out, which I think some ex-Mormons get into that trap of, I've got to save the burning building. Well, then there's another group of people who want to go get gasoline and pour it on the (laughs) building. And then there's other people who want to toast marshmallows. (laughs) (laughs) And, and right now I'd say I came out and I was, uh, I was probably dumping an Exxon Valdez worth of gasoline on the church at first. And then maybe on my way out, I was trying to, you know, get water from the water fountain and put fires out inside the building while I was still there. As soon as I got out, it was like, let's just burn this thing. And now I'm ready to toast marshmallows. And I think the final stage is you just walk away from the burning building and and take a look at multiple burning buildings of every kind of corrupt organization Mm -hmm. and just say, man, the world's kind of a weird place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, since since we've you know relocated since leaving the church, we do we're on the inactive list in the local branch here, right? And we do have, you know, we do have the customary text message from our um, uh, ministers uh, every once in a while, like, hey, you know, how's it going? Just checking in with you and your family. And then there's another family who's not our assignment, but we are their assignment, and they come and and they drop off cookies. They heart atta- heart attacked our our house on Valentine's Day a few weeks ago. And I feel like, you know, and our, our kids play together, they go skating together. And it's like, you know, every once in a while I'll walk up to the burning building and, you know, the mother is the one that I speak to the most and she'll lean out the window and she'll put her hand on the windowsill, her arm on the windowsill, and we'll just have a conversation. Right. Right. And I'll say, Hey, your building's on fire. And she's like, no, it's not. It's like, you know, I'm here because I believe in Christ. This building is, is not Christ. It's not Christ. I, I, I have a testimony in Christ and that's why I'm in the building. I'm like, no, but like everything's on fire. Like you can't you, like the only way to get out is jumping out of the window. Like kind of, you can't just kind of hold on to some of it because it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's like, no, no, no. I believe in Christ. And that's, that's my testimony. The, the church has its issues, but I believe in Christ. And then we, she gives us a basket of apples and we depart ways. So I'll just like I'll just stay in the burning building while it burns down. <laughs> and then well, the, is, the, the issues are not the issues are non issues because they have faith in Christ, and I don't like it's one and the same to them. This building can burn down, but I'll still have Jesus at the end of it. it like right, this, right. This is the most amazing discussion I've ever had. Right, with anybody. It's, it, it's burning down, but G- Jesus is in the building though. So why would you want to leave? Right. It's like, <laughs> could you imagine somebody? Somebody's like. Oh, there's a fire. Yeah, but I'm at a Beyonce concert. Like, <laughs> I don't want to leave <laughs> a Beyonce concert. Why would I? Why would I get out? Like, what? And then, and then, don't if, bring Queen B into this, please. <laughs> and then, if you point out like specific issues that they do have problems with, like lots of people in the church are like, yeah, there should be gay marriage allowed and whatever, right? They're they're just kind of like. Oh yeah, that wall's not actually part of this building. Like, oh yes, I, I see that wall there, but that's not part of my building. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that's, that's someone else's burning building within my burning building. <laughs> right. Right. 
it's a it's a nesting doll of burning buildings. Well, and, and you know, it goes back to your conversation or episode before where they they see themselves as being the imperfect thing and that mm-hmm. the church is perfect and and like you just want to be like, no, no, you're you're good. You're good. It's the building that's on fire. Like mm-hmm. you can still get out. You're you're intact. Like I think you're a great person, but you just need to see that, yeah, like the structure is not holding up and the more and more information that gets out, the weaker the building gets and you're just kind of holding on to straws. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, you hold on to as much as you can. Like for me, when I was on my way out, I w- well, I was trying to, trying to stay. I was like, well, it's good. Like it, it taught me these morals and I decided I don't care if it's true because it, it taught me good things and it's my social life and everything. I was literally just holding on. And keep in mind, I was still reading my scriptures, paying my tithing, saying my prayers. I was still doing those things, even though I was like, yeah, it's probably not true, right? Because I was like, I'm fully in. I was hanging on completely, entirely doing everything right by those relationships. It's like I was hanging out the window and I was like holding on to my friends. And I'm like, I don't want to leave, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm staying in like... <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't care. I'll hang on the edge here forever. <laughs> I know the I building's on fire. I'm just here for the party. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. And the jello pudding. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. not going to lie. Have missed the potlucks and, you know, the food and the, it's good times, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, okay. Like one thing that you said that I think is hilarious in retrospect is the church taught me good morals. And if I walk away with one thing I got from the church, I, I start to say, well, what morals did you get from the church? One thing that I got from the church was racism. Hmm. And I know, <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. I, throughout my whole life, I don't know if it's just a Southern Alberta thing, but the church definitely didn't do. You learn from a young age about these dark skinned people who are the scourge of the light skinned people. Mm-hmm. And so, and then if you have family from Hillspring or, Lethbridge or Cardston, you've heard every Native American joke there is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they call them Lamanites. My mom like, would call <laughs> the First Nations Lamanites. Oh, the oh, Lamanites yeah. would come to high school. I'm like, yeah, what? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. Like, I know people who had Lamanites and stay with them as part of the Lamanite placement program. You know, President Kimball, or sorry, like uh, Spencer Kimball's great uh, you know, program. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he starts putting these native American kids in white homes and then he's like, and then their kids are whiter. And it's like, yeah, probably because somebody's screwing the, you know, (laughs) 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 wow. We, you know, (laughs) the the, the Lord is changing their skin color. No, it's called an affair. (laughs) The, uh, even the mission president in, in this area right now, uh, when he when he got here, he's of Polynesian descent. When he got here, right. he came in and and he he said, "I'm here to serve my Lamanite brothers and sisters." And so he sends members, he sends missionaries to the reserves a lot because mm-hmm. he, like he sees he it, believes right, which it's such yeah. like he bought into you know this colonial idea right yeah. of like we are bringing them the truth right, yeah. which is. When you stop and think about it for just a second, it's racist, it's not true, you know, and it's just like, it's so, um, like, Christian-centric, 
right? Like, yeah. like a, a white savior complex. Yeah. Yeah. And it is so strange. And I think, you know, Mormons have that to the extreme because they believe that, you know, the, the Lamanites, right. The native Americans and even like the Polynesians are this lost tribe that they have to go and save the souls of. It's like, okay. Yeah. Well, the other side, like we're not too far removed. If you're still active, it's highly likely you would have a bishop or a high councilman or stake president who was alive before the, and can remember before the, the priesthood ban was lifted when they were still talking about black people being the seed of Cain. Mm-hmm. And they probably that, they were taught that from when they were kids and it's in their brain somehow. Cause I know at every activity I went to at every level of the church, there was some level of permissiveness of racist jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I would say that is a core value. I walked away with from the church is a permissiveness of racism, Yeah, which I'm overcoming and, and dealing with now in my thirties. But well, even like my my parents, my parents weren't really raised in the church. And so then they they really became active after the priest had been and everything. But they still had that perspective lingering because the idea stays. I've been in sacrament meetings in, you know, small Mormon towns where people quote Bruce R. McConkie. And they're like, this is this is the truth. Bruce R. McConkie said that this about black people and this about the natives. And it's I'm like, well, the church doesn't teach that anymore. And and so even even though they don't teach it officially, it's still there. Like it it lingers. Well, the overall idea of dark equals lesser is a fundamental theme of the Book of Mormon. Mm hmm. And that's something I've come really come to terms with. So when people are like, well, the Book of Mormon still teaches good things. I'm like, name one. Service. Yeah. It doesn't. Barely. A couple <laughs> it, verses, right? The and overall it, theme is fighting black people. And, and and when it mentions service, it is also, it's like you're serving God, not not the people around you. Right. Like the reason you should be kind to the people around you is because that's how you show your love for God. And I guess it teaches uh, submiss- submissiveness to kind of hardships and, and issues. It'd be like, hey, your life really sucks, but know what? There's a reward in heaven for you. So keep plugging along, right? Yeah. 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 Pray, pray, continue to pray and God will redeem you. And do you know, and it's funny you mentioned that because I remember going through some some of the toughest parts of my life and praying and praying and things getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I just did something about it that it got better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But following the book of Mormon teaching to continue to pray and, and pray continually and yada, yada, and God will lift my burdens. God didn't lift my burdens. I lifted my burdens. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I, no, but the flip side is you actually became stronger because uh, the Lord was helping you. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's like when, when people, uh, like I was having a conversation with a friend once and I, I told her, I said, okay, well, you know, I think I might want to, like, someday if I'm old and, you know, my brain is just shut down, you know, I might think euthanasia, like, please and thank you, right? Like, if I'm just empty. And I told her this, and then she responded with, and sincerely responded with, okay, 
she says, but think of all the service opportunities you'll be taking from people. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) I'm supposed to let myself like get crippled and old and like die with no grace so that people can serve me. Like you'll never learn service if you don't have my diaper to change grandkids you know let's like oh, they, do you you know let's not have the polio vaccine because think of all the service opportunities we're missing out on because people you know didn't have to suffer with blindness or lameness for the rest of their lives right it's like come on <laughs> but the service the service that you would get in that state is people would bring you the sacrament and your home teachers would come and read you a message it's not I, there's there's no way right. they would come and change your diaper <laughs> right. like you would have you'd either be in a hospital or a hospice or palliative care and there would be paid employees of some company doing that like yeah the real ser- like yeah the real yeah. service wouldn't be done by by that would be funny if your grandkids were changing your diaper though that would that would uh <laughs> make you bond real fast (laughs) they're like i hate grandpa (laughs) my this happened to me while i was active in the church but my whole perspective on euthanasia changed when i saw somebody die in palliative care and and if you're on the fence about it just go to a hospice you want to just smother these people with pillows and i'm not like i'm not trying to be funny but you see the absolute amount of suffering and all they have yeah. is a morphine drip. There's some people who can't swallow or wet their lips. You have to put balm on their lips because they can't even lick their lips to, you know, their lips are getting dry and they're just perpetually just suffering and delusional. And their only piece source of relief is a morphine drip. It's like, just end it for these people already. Yeah. Right. It, and and I was still active in the church, but I saw this and I was like, no, there's no, I get it now. I've, I have walked the hall of suffering. If I get like this, I would want someone to put me out of my misery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So there's many, many asides, but I think getting back to the burning building <laughs> and the people who are angrily throwing water on the burning building, I think that <laughs> there's a lot of conversation about death and suffering in this episode. Yeah, I've, I've there's, noticed there's a lot of conversation about death and suffering in Mormonism as well. It's right? true, like, <laughs> but it's all for your good. <laughs> true <laughs> so i think like what was uh i guess one interesting thing to talk about would be like when you were in the burning building what was a, a burning wall you saw that you just said nope not on fire hmm. not my problem so my my first one my first real well the first real burning wall that i saw i was like holy smokes we need to put this out or else this is going to start a fire yeah. it was a uh, prop eight prop eight in the united oh, really? states Yeah. Yeah. 2008, when I, when I kind of saw the marches on, on the churches uh, or on the temples in like LA and in New York, that was the first thing that was like, I, and I didn't write it off. I was like, no, these people are just crazy. They don't understand our doctrine. The first time I was like, you know what? I, I think they're right. I think they're right. And I was like, yeah, why do we care if a gay couple gets married? And then they're like, go down that rabbit hole. Well, then they'll start making the Mormons marry people in the temple, uh, you know, that are of the same sex. And I'm like, I don't see that rabbit hole. I don't see people who, (laughs) if you're gay, why would you want to be married in the church? Like, that doesn't make any sense. They're not Mm -hmm. welcome. Right. Yeah. 
Um, and so that was the first wall that kind of burst into flames in my building. And it kind of grew from there. Really? But I didn't share that with anybody. I know. Cause I I like prop eight happened right when I came home from my mission and you're my best friend at church. And I had no clue that you cared about that. No, that was, that was in my shoebox on the shelf for a long time. Wow. And, uh, I, uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't, cause all these people were making videos wearing masks. Cause they're like, you know, I'm LDS and I feel my family will disown me if I'm public about this, but I think the church is wrong in this. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, you know, I didn't have, I didn't necessarily wanted to do a video, but I, I remember bringing up kind of an Institute once and got this really hokey answer from the, the instructor. But that was, that was my first flaming wall that I like, I couldn't, couldn't extinguish myself. Wow. 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 I didn't, I didn't have like a big, uh, moment where I was like, Oh, what the heck? It was like these little things that I started to notice, you know, I was like, Oh, this toaster keeps catching on fire. You know, I'm like, this plug doesn't work properly. Right. And, uh, so like slowly I started to notice these things and that's how I got to the point of being like, okay, I'll like stay for the social stuff. But I remember a friend coming home from his mission. He's like, yeah, I came home cause I'm gay. And I like, didn't, deal with it right he didn't come to terms with it it was making him depressed because he was you know suppressing it Mm -hmm. and that was one thing that i was kind of like you know maybe that should change right and then basically i went around the whole building with a clipboard after that and like checking for a room that wasn't on fire you know i'm like can you know is any of this structurally sound and i just like slowly went around the building i'm like opening up doors and i was like racism Oh, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm, that's on fire. Uh, okay. You know, going around the <laughs> polygamy, building. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah. Polygamy. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't make much sense. And then, uh, you know, and then I come through and I go all the way down the list and eventually I'm at the bottom floor and I'm like, oh yeah, well, the whole thing's on fire. Uh, <laughs> I'll stay for the party though. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like that song, the roof is on fire. like that is the theme song and then everybody's just partying um okay for me i'd say probably my whole life there were like like you said little things where it was like the toaster's not working or like man this you know every time i plug something in here it sparks or causes a blackout or just like little maintenance items that i was like this sucks right and i remember like as a kid i just hated going to church. I hated being at church. I hated churchy things. I liked the cool stories in the book of Mormon. And I liked the cool stories in the old Testament, but overall, like even the stories about Jesus were kind of uninteresting. Right. And I was like, Oh, he's another parable again. Like, great. Right. (laughs) But everybody just told me I was a rebellious teenager and I was going through a phase. So eventually I convinced myself I was in a phase and then I come out of it and it's like, no, that wasn't a phase that I knew it the whole time. I just was like, no, this isn't a problem. The problem's with me, not the building. Yeah. 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 I actually, I did have one moment that just came to mind where I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of effed up, isn't it? I was a primary teacher. I was like 18 or 19. um, And I was waiting to go on a mission and, uh, and I'm teaching primary and we're sitting there in sharing time. And one of my primary kids gets up and shares a scripture. And I want to know, like, because 
obviously like his parents picked this verse out, right? And I want to yeah. know if they did this on purpose because he gets up there and the verse he shared was the one where Nephi cuts off Laban's head. And this kid gets up and he just said, and behold, I Nephi took Laban by the hair or whatever it is and, and smote Smoke. off his head or whatever. And I like, I was sitting there like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I look around and all the primary teachers have the same faces like, oh, like, should we share that in primary? You know, like everybody was aware how problematic that was, right? Yeah. Like I've yeah. asked friends, I've said, okay, if God commanded you to kill somebody, would you do it? And they're like, no, that's crazy. God would never command me to kill somebody. And they're, and I'm like, well, like he commanded Nephi to, to kill Laban. And they're, oh, different, different circumstance, like totally different circumstance. I'm like, really? I'm like, you know, the guy was pass out drunk. Like he could have left him, you know, like that wasn't the only option. And so it just, that, that was a moment actually where I was like, oh yeah, huh. This is kind of messed up. Oh, I just think like the funniest thing about what you said, it wasn't that when you ask your friends, like, would you kill someone if God told you their answer wasn't, no, I wouldn't do it. It was God would never ask me to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if God did ask you to do it, you haven't closed that door yet. Like the only. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get, I guess you guys, you know, thinking about the faulty plugs and whatnot, like I, yeah, I guess I found faulty plugs, but I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to drag this thing over to this other plug because <laughs> this plug works <laughs> over here. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, I, I kind of, the, the fires were small. They were, you know, I could stomp them out. They were fine. And the, the plugs that didn't work, I just, you know, I'd mark them and move on and, and, you know, told you know, faith has a short shelf life. So yeah. just make sure that uh, your faulty plugs are probably just your lack of faith. So keep, keep, uh, keep working hard and you'll, you'll be okay. If you believe enough, then the plugs will work. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta believe. I, uh, yeah. Like there are so many things I remember, like I learned about the CES letter and everything in seminary. I didn't read it till I was already gone. Um, but I, I learned about it in seminary and just enough for my teacher to like kind of cover it over and you know uh the polygamy one was always oh well yeah sure she was almost 15 but did you know like that was more common back then right and that was the excuse that was used and then you get thinking about it and people are always like god doesn't change and it's like so why was that okay? Yeah. You know, like, oh, well, uh, Brigham Young was racist because he was a product of his time. Okay, yeah. But, like, God doesn't change, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we're working with imperfect humans. Come on. <laughs> right, but, the, like, the idea of a prophet is that you should be ahead of the curve, not with the curve, right? Or, like, like 20, 30 years after the curve. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or behind the curve. Okay, so I guess one thing that when you walk out of the burning building, you know, I'm in a toasting marshmallows phase, but there's the walking away phase. because You walk away because you realize there never was a building. The whole thing's made up, and you're actually just watching a bunch of delusional people stand on an empty lot 
tell themselves that an imaginary building's not on fire. <laughs> right. And so, so the angry, either liberal Mormons or ex Mormons who are trying to throw water on the building, what they haven't realized yet, I think is that the building's not there. The building was never there and there's nothing to throw water on. And so you're angry about this thing that's not real. And, and one thing that I found that I went in circles about was I'd read the CES letter and then I'd read fair. And then I'd read the CES letters response to fair. And then I'd read fair's response to the CES letters response to fair and, and on and on. And then it's like, I feel like I'm at a Star Trek convention and people are talking about like, which is it next generation or the original series, <laughs> which one's better. The next gen. We know Star that. Wars, Star Trek Star- sucks. Are right? you kidding? I will fight you so hard. Right? And now this is and this is exactly what it sounds like when you listen to ex-Mormons and Mormons talk to each other. <laughs> well, I, I remember listening to a podcast. This is when I was still like uh true blue. Um, and this guy was talking about how he was basically doing the same thing, like reading all this commentary about the young wives that Joseph Smith had. And then he felt the spirit just say, you don't have to believe this anymore. And it it was just like a release for him. He was like, you know what? Right then and there, he just left the church entirely behind because there was all this back and forth about Joseph Smith. You know, was he, was it okay to have 34 wives? Was it okay that some of them were child brides? You know, was it okay that, you know, there's no, there's no, acknowledgement that he had sex with any of them, but there's lots of evidence to support that. But the reason for polygamy is to propagate more children. Like I, anyways, it's just like, and he just, he just had that release. And I remember thinking that as a true blue Mormon, I was like, I'm like, I'm, I'll never be to that point. I'll never get there. And then like fast forward two years later, I was like in the exact same position, like trying to like do mental gymnastics to be like, this is entirely okay. Like this is, this is the Lord's way. You know, the Lord sent uh, an angel with a flaming sword who started the house on fire and told Joseph to marry these women. And that's, you know, you know, kind of default to the, to the leader or to the, to the Lord saying like, yeah, yeah, I'll do, I'll do these heinous things uh, to make sure that your Lord, that the will, that your will's done. I think with that angel and the flaming sword, like the way this was just before I came out, but the thing I would tell myself with polygamy and stuff like that is, do you know what? If God, if somebody told me God had a message for me to do something terrible, my, my response would be God can come tell me himself. I get home from work at five. We have dinner about six. (laughs) (laughs) He can come tell me I'm not listening to some guy. Tell me something that God told him to tell me to do. Or I'm cutting the red tape. God can come tell me himself if he wants but, me to do something. But what terrible. about Naaman? You got you to gotta read the story about Naaman. Oh, come on. Okay. Go, go bathe in the dirty river seven <laughs> times. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even thought about that story for years. <laughs> but the, the spirit of the Lord has worked upon you. To... <laughs> I love, I love like these stories. Who was it? The, um, the guy with the talking donkey. Who was that in the uh, Old Testament? Wasn't it Noah? No. No, no. He was like, yeah, he was supposed to go do something. And he has this talking donkey. And we talked about this in in my science class at BYU-Idaho. And this professor said so many things that put so many kids on edge. And uh, he like shares this whole story. And then he says, and he says, so... 
uh, can donkeys talk? And half, half the class uh, puts up their hand and says, yes, like donkeys can yeah. talk. Uh, if, if, God, if God wants to make them talk, he'll make them talk. And uh, my professor, who's a biologist, he says, well, you see, I've like studied, you know, uh, throat, you know, patterns. Oh, and he, yeah. he, he says, there's no way for a donkey to make human vocalizations, right? And the kids come back with, well, God commanded it, you know? And he's like, have you ever seen a donkey talk? You know, and they're, they're like, no, but it's right here in the Bible. And he, he says, okay. And then he lists like a few other things from the Bible that hopefully some people, you know, would take solely as metaphors. And, uh, and he, he's like, yeah, um, I've never seen a donkey talk. You can't show me a donkey that talks. This is a science class. So for the purpose of this class, donkeys can't talk okay guys like he was basically trying to purge like religion out of the class because you've got all these mormon kids sitting there thinking like oh yeah i'm gonna learn in the science class about how god you know did the creation and everything we had a few like young earth creationists in the class the professor's like okay guys (laughs) like we're talking about evidence (laughs) and so that was a breath of fresh air having like a professor at byu idaho and uh, hopefully nobody ever finds out, you know, hopefully the administration never pops into his class because, he, yeah, he's he's not towing the company line. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that is so, that's awesome. Uh, well, a quick Google search uh, showed that Balaam was the, Balaam. was the, I guess, the, the recipient of the fantastic speaking ass. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So many good stories. Okay. So anybody have any other thoughts on the burning building? I think what I'm driving home here is that you can only be angry about this thing if you think it's still real. Mm -hmm. And when you take a step back and I'm reminded, did you guys watch Harry Potter? Yeah. You guys into Harry. So the bog art, right? Yep. And you use that spell that just makes it funny. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what, you have to tell yourself about the church is that it's not real and it's just a little silly and there's nothing to be mad about. Just walk away. Cause it's not real. The, you know, there's, there's nothing to be angry about here. Cause it's just all made up. You know, I get that there's people who have actual traumatic experiences in the church. I don't want to be insensitive to that, but for the average Joe blow ex Mormon, it was never real. Just you're watching people delusionally walk around, tell themselves there's, a not real building that's not on fire. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's just kind of hard. Um, like Sam Young, like there is there is abuse going on, right? And yeah. and you know, who do you hold culpable for for it? Because they're just doing as they're directed, but then there's a lot of bishops that, you know, talk to twelve year old girls about their sexual purity. Like that's yeah. entirely wrong. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's mandated, that's, you know, allowed by the church. So I can see why it's, there's a, there's a fight worth um, fighting for stuff like that. But the the other thing I come around to is there's, 
there's Islamic churches that abuse their members. There's yeah. there's Christian fundamentalist churches that abuse their members, do similar kind of weird things with purity. Even like one thing on TikTok that started to make me rage was there's there's Muslim and Hasidic Jews that talk about like face coverings and face covering rules mm-hmm. and they're trying to normalize it. And I'm like, this is wrong, but I don't, I don't know. I can't fight all the wrong in every church. I don't, this isn't, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Well, I, th- I think that's why you work with where you are though. Right. right. Like, right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know enough about the Islamic experience or like even the Jehovah's witness experience to go and, help people over there right like we talked about like we're not sitting here trying to pull people out of the building yeah right but the effects of it are real and i i at least try and you know when something comes up you know if i'm with family i don't sit back and just oh yeah that's just you know them being them i do mention i'm like well that's not actually like how it works right yeah yeah and and so I think it's finding that balance of being able to leave the building behind, being able to realize there is no building, but then also, you know, going to that empty parking lot and maybe treating it as a like a soup kitchen and, you know, trying to help the people that are there because the effects of it are real. The building yeah. might not be real, but the effects are are real. And so I think it's trying to strike that balance of you know, leaving it behind, but also dealing with the effects of it, whether personally or with other people. You can't save everybody from every burning building, but you can at least kind of help people when they are coming out. Right. And I'm just lifting where I stand. Yeah. <laughs> to quote my, my boy, guess, Dieter. Yeah, if we all lift the piano together, it'll not weigh anything. I guess. Okay. So I think I, yeah, I've learned a lot from this. Um, maybe I was too judgmental, but, um, which I got from my experience in the church. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, those were, (laughs) yeah. I'm glad I'm not that judging in that way anymore. In other ways, Uh, I guess I found to judge people, but (laughs) I leave it all to God to judge people. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but what you're doing is wrong. Yes. <laughs> Just so we're all clear here. <laughs> I, I'm not judging anyone. It's not my place to judge anyone. But, but God will judge this. You should probably wear a sweater Specifically over that. this thing I don't like. He will judge. <laughs> okay. Does anybody have any thoughts on the burning building, on being angry, on whether or not to pull people out of the fake burning building? I, I guess, you know, seed, uh, sow seeds of doubt, I guess. I don't know. But like, yeah. Um, yeah, cause you're not going to pull anybody out mm-hmm. just like you, you can't pull anybody in. Um, yeah. and, uh, by gentle yeah. persuasion and love unfeigned or something like that. I, right. Oh my gosh. You guys, <laughs> that's just what I think is that people are going to, there's so much information out there that if people are going to leave, they'll find it. They'll realize yeah. the building's not real. It's I, what do you do once you walk outside? I, I figured is, it out on my own, right? Yeah. Like, to- yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not there putting pass along cards in everybody's mailbox. Yeah. Right? I'm not writing cesletter.org in the Book of Mormon, copies of the Book of Mormon in the Marriott Hotel, right? Right. Like, I think 
Yeah, it's it's. I read this book in in university. It was called The Absolutely True Diary of a Native American or part-time Indian or something like that. The author was Sherman Alexie. He grew up on a reservation in Washington. He's done a lot to kind of help people get out of the reserve, but people ask him, would you ever go back to the reserve? And he's like, no, the reserve is an awful, evil, terrible place that I left and I will never go back to. I'll help people get out, but I'm not going back there to try and fix what's wrong with it. That was his view. That's kind of how I feel about the church is Mm -hmm. I would never do anything to try and fix or save that thing. If people want to come out, come on this podcast. We'll talk. We'll vent. We'll get over it, but I'm not going back there to try and save it. I'm not throwing water on that burning building. There is nothing to save. It's not even there. Mm -hmm. And I think if people aren't in a place, I'm going to put on my missionary hat here. If they're not in a place to receive the message, (laughs) like it's, it's like, I just think about going into the the branch that we live uh, in and, and it would decimate. Like if I went in there and just like started like, saying truth from the pulpit, mm-hmm. it would, it would crush a lot of people and it would hurt a lot of people and it would do significant damage. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it might rattle some people's faith and they would leave, but like the faith transition is so hard. I wouldn't yeah. wish oh, it yeah. on, yeah. on anybody. Yeah. And, and, you know, f- to a certain degree, like I would love my parents or my family to leave, but at the same time they're comfortable. So and they're sitting by the fire, their feet are up, they're fine. So maybe I just let dogs. Sleeping dogs lie. That too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I feel the same way with my parents. Like, and we, we, Alex and I did an episode on this that we haven't kicked out yet, but it'll be coming soon is how do you talk to your family? Should you talk to your family? And I think sometimes my dad, he went off about persecution in Missouri. And I said, well, you know what, dad, imagine a group of Muslims or Hindus or any other kind of foreign religion shows up. And they buy up like every house in the neighborhood. And then they say they've got a prophet in this scripture that says the land is theirs and God will redeem it by blood if necessary. Would you feel a little uncomfortable? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, cause that's kind of what the Mormons did in Missouri. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe we invited a bit of persecution. Maybe, <laughs> you know, right. Like there's some times where I, I hear some things that are just so wrong that I have to correct something. Mm-hmm. Right. But there, there's only so much I can, I, I can only nod my head politely to a certain limit. And then once that one gets hit, I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe you're missing part of the picture here, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 And, and you kind of have to come at it from their perspective to try and be, you know, understanding. Because, yeah, um, like uh, Counselor Davis mentioned, it's like it's such a part of who we are. Like that transition is Mm -hmm. so hard to, to get out and to deconstruct. Right. I spent five years between, yeah, I don't really believe any of this to being like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stop going five years for just, just to realize, Oh, the whole building's on fire to saying, well, I guess I'll leave. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like five years for that. It's hard. And so I think you just have to, you know, let it, let it happen as it happens. And some people rely on it for their mental health too, right? And sure, it's a delusion, but mm-hmm. if it keeps you here, like what am I supposed to say to that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we moved across the country and that kind of, 
I think that our, my departure would have been a lot longer if we hadn't completely relocated because mm-hmm. leaving the breadbasket of, of Southern Alberta to Ontario, you know, was, was a catalyst for sure. Cause it was a lot easier to just not show up at church and not care because mm-hmm. nobody really knew us. And, you know, yeah. yeah, I think I, we may have stayed active longer if we'd stayed in Calgary as well. I think it really just there, there's a lot more socially going on there and so many friends and so many lifelong friends like would have been really, really tragic, but we moved to BC and it's nobody knows, nobody cares. And, uh, and it was just easy to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying is move, 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 to, move away from, I, well, and, and I should have some empathy for people who are trying to throw water on the, the fake burning building is if you're in the Morador and it is always in your face, mm-hmm. I bet your departure from it was a lot more violent than mine was. Oh, and totally. so I should have more empathy for people who are leaving in highly dense Mormon areas versus me. It was just like, I stopped going, uh, like my ministers don't contact me. The Bishop hasn't reached out. My son turns eight in the summer nobody we're not on a target list mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's been very very peaceful and quiet but i know not everybody gets that experience well and i mean i i was in rexburg at school yeah. when i decided oh i'm going to leave but i couldn't leave because my education right my studies depended on me being in yeah and so That's i crazy. like my last ecclesiastical endorsement with my bishop of course, every time I've done it, I've kind of been, you know, lying through my teeth uh, yeah. about about the faith stuff. And then my last one, I'm just sitting there knowing it was my last one. And I thought, you know, like, this is ridiculous. And and he, he says, you know, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? And I was like, yes, I do, Bishop. And he, he looks at me, he says, well, it, Bishop Jensen was actually his name, too, which is oh, funny. Yeah. Of course um, it was. <laughs> and he he looks at me and he says he has that like Idaho southernish accent you know when they sound like they're maybe from the south but they're actually from Idaho okay uh, <laughs> and he 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 looks at me and he says well isn't that just lovely brother and he like <laughs> you know pats me on the knee and I'm just thinking like you don't even you know like I'm on my way out like I'm already pat- gone the pat on the knee is a garment check hey. Have you ever wondered why, have you ever wondered why, like you go to, you go to elders corn, you see the old priests and they always like tap each other on the leg and stuff like that and grab each other. I remember as like a kid, I'm like, for a church that doesn't like gay people, this is kind of weird that everybody's (laughs) touching each other's knee and stuff like it was garment checking. It's like an old, old school Mormon thing to like grab people's arms and pat each other on the legs to feel the garment seams. No, it's not. I think think you're stretching. I think you're stretching. Why else do a bunch of people in a church that is extremely homophobic touch each other so homoerotically because it's not homoerotic to touch somebody on the leg or the arm constantly it's not like once it's like all the time and i remember there's a mormon kid in my school and and one of my friends was like dude what's with you mormons i'm like what what are you talking about he's like i've got another mormon kid in my class he keeps grabbing me on the leg (laughs) (laughs) i don't know but i know every sunday i see this Guys grabbing each other's legs. Maybe he just learned it at church. He's like, I thought you guys didn't like gay people. I'm like, I don't know. Like, everybody just touches each other's legs. I will stand by that till the day I die as garment checking, but you guys are free to agree- disagree. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to have to disagree. I don't know if it's okay, garment okay, checking. Okay. 
<laughs> oh man. <laughs> you know, like one thing I missed that I wish I could have been a little less angry Pimo and still at church. Cause I can't think of anything more liberating or freeing than being like in a delusional group, but being the only guy who doesn't believe and just totally being okay with it. Be like, Oh, I'll pay my tithing all the time, Bishop. It's been a real tough year. So I was only able to give you 10 bucks <laughs> full tithe pair, real tough year. And, uh, and just kind of playing along with the delusion. I think that could have been like, it could be fun, right? It, it, it is be... super fun. It is yeah. like really, really fun actually. And relieving, you yeah. know, when, when I'd get to say heretical jokes and then, you know, some of the people in the room aren't sure if they should laugh or not. And then one of my roommates pats me on the shoulder doing a little garment check, I guess. And, <laughs> and says, Oh, don't worry. He has the strongest testimony of ever anyone I know. You know, like there's like a pleasure yeah. in that, right? Just yeah. like, oh, they don't even know, I've right? Got everybody fooled. Yeah. I th there was a kid who posted on Xform on the subreddit just saying, I don't believe in the church, but I broke the law of chastity. I'm still, I'm still passing the sacrament. I feel guilty and weird and blah, blah. And it's like, hey, you're not a liar because it's all made up. Right. So you don't believe in it. Just, just do it. Just who cares because it's not real, right? Yeah. You just, yeah. everybody's playing pretend. It's just yeah. dress up. We used to exactly. play church. Maybe that's another episode. We would like <laughs> play church at home after church. And I, I would be the bishop. It was, <laughs> and we would have like stuffed animals in the pews. It was a good time. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you take them individually in a room behind and interview them. No, no, I would do like other things, like other wacky things. And my sister would get mad. She's like, that's not what a bishop would do. But I was just having remember, fun with it. I remember playing sacrament. Yeah. It's like having, you know, 25 pieces of bread and drinking the entire <laughs> jug of water. Uh, it's so weird. <laughs> but like, you know, our parents would look at that and be like, isn't that great? He's preparing, you know, it's so wonderful. Oh yeah. Oh. And they tell it's grandma and grandpa, the cutest thing happened with our kids is so righteous and blah, blah, blah. And now here we are talking about the fake. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh man. <laughs> okay. Uh, does anybody else have any thoughts on the fake burning building? Whether or not it's worthwhile to throw water on the fake burning building. Should you toast marshmallows? Any other concluding thoughts? I don't know. I just, I play to the energy that comes at me, meaning right. if people are, are hot with me, then I'll be hot with them. Mm -hmm. But usually uh, relations are, you know, we don't touch that topic. But yeah, when my dad tells me that his plan from God includes a new car, I just can't. I can't. I have to. I have to disagree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think you just kind of have to reciprocate, you know, whatever relationship it is in whatever conversation you're in. Yeah. I would, uh, I would also agree. Uh, all manifest, uh, <laughs> any, any opposed by the same sign, um, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Wow. Beautiful. <laughs>